Tonight, we celebrate 100 subs by talking about the latest episode of Tulsa King, and then we'll continue with the latest episode of Peripheral, and conclude tonight's episode with the season finale of Season 1 of Star Trek DS9. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brothers! And welcome back to your Tuesday night home for Tulsa King, the peripheral, and, well, for the last time for a minute, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I'm Petey York, joined by my gracious host, Mr. Pollo Zapatos, and of course, uh, Mr. Corione, Witch in Residence. I do need to fix my name real quick, so pardon the minor interruption. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? I'm doing awesome. Um, Phenomenal. You know, I got a chance to catch up on the shows, watch them all today so they'd be fresh in my mind. And, oh, man, have we got some good stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, and I got to say, too, the Force was definitely with me today uh, doing some SWOTOR PvP. Uh, just really got in the zone. Feel, now i am got my, my pregame workout in, so I'm ready to go. Um, what about you, Poison Zapatos? You said you're feeling phenomenal today. What's got you feeling so phenomenal? Yeah. Well, so I re-downloaded Cyberpunk 2077, and today it was finally like, today's my, today's my day off so from my other job. And so I was playing that basically from when I woke up, and it is so much better finally on the Xbox One. And, like, I, I was having so much fun playing it again. So that's why I'm doing phenomenal. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, one of our uh, sort of, I guess you could say, sister channel members, uh, Maria from Maria with T and Telly, is not doing as phenomenal. Uh, she posted on our page that she got the, the Rona. And so we do want to just wish you well, Maria. We hope, you, we hope to have you on this show someday soon. Uh, but obviously not while you're sick. So, but yes, well wishes, and we hope you get better. In the meantime, of course, we do have a lot we need to get into, so let's get right to it. Who wants to do play-by-play -play for Tulsa King? Oh man, one of you guys go on this one. I' trying to get give it to all you, of this Parker. together. Uh, okay. Uh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta grab. Oh, uh, let me. Hold the IMDb for this one. All right, because um, I am terrible at these synopses. I will. Uh, I will, of course, uh, address. We got a fan mail from Arende. Says the Force. Don't you mean Schwartz? Uh, I mean, unfortunately, Mel Brooks still hasn't released his uh, Spaceballs-themed MMO yet. But uh, yes, in, in in that time when I can go flying around in a space Winnebago and have a lightsaber ring. Okay, why hasn't this been developed yet? Yeah, uh, I'm I, already I think, uh, like winning the parody of this. <laughs> I'm All still right, waiting so on the pre-order for my Spaceballs, the flamethrower. So, 
But dude, you could get your Camaro and just make it a flying Winnebago. It, it, whatever you want, your shit. Yeah, you know, right. I wish I wish GTA had some more customization because I'd probably take the Camaro that I do have in that game and I'd literally change it to the DeLorean specs and just fly around in that. Nice. But it, it went body over. Yeah. All right. So John, you got the you got the IMDb's up. I should probably get that up since we do have content we're talking about later that's relevant to that. But uh, why don't you go I ahead? I do. All right, episode three, labeled Caprice. Uh, Dwight takes note of a possible new business opportunity. Later, a routine errand has an explosive, unexpected outcome. Stacy opens up to Dwight about what led her to Tulsa. And that's uh, that's IMDb, just really hitting that home run for telling you nothing. <laughs> All right, so... I, I think the, the, the major pieces of this one that just worked out really great is you find out what, you know, our, our intrepid Tulsa Kings major first scam is going to be selling nitrous oxide at a, um, at a festival. And, you know, that, that's pretty good. But then we have him taking his driver's test. And, of course, he's doing his best to be a good little civilian innocent uh, driving around and what should happen, but somebody tries to take a hit out on him, and you know, what should have been a standard driver's ed exam turns into a, it turns into a high speed chase. And of course the best way possible with this poor driving driver and driving instructor, um, you know, sitting there panicking the entire time, having basically a, a minor heart attack as all hell is breaking loose between these two drivers. And the one thing I do love about that whole scene is not just the scene, but the aftermath. Because there comes Dwight showing up with a bouquet of flowers and 10 grand for the guy in a get well soon. Oh, and can you take a look for the partial plate I pulled from this vehicle? Because I want to track down this guy and let him know what's up. Yeah, the lesson the lesson I'm getting from this show is whenever someone offers you money, they're a part of the mafia. All right, good. So avoid it and don't accept. Good to know. Oh, well, depends on how uh, how dangerous you want things to get. I mean, to be perfectly honest, if somebody handed me ten grand, it'd be really hard to say no to you know a simple thing like using a, a computer um, in your office. It, especially when you're in a hospital in America, right? Like, Dwight wasn't really doing him a favor exp- except for covering medical charges. Right. Yeah, so, he, that, that, that'll cover the air that he breathes while he's there. Oh, jeez. It's the ambulance ride. I think those go for a standard 10K. No, no, that's just for them to come to your house. That doesn't include oh, all right. the stuff that they inject you with and all the... Yeah, no, it, existing in America gets expensive real quick, especially if God loves you extra special. Um... So well, that and paramedics aren't part of the uh, emergency service team, so they don't get state benefits. They're all uh, that that actually varies from state to state. But that is True. otherwise in a majority of them, though, you are correct. Um, and embarrassment on the state. A, a, yeah. So anyway, saving politics for the rogue counselor, some other broadcast. 
I mean, we could definitely rip the American healthcare system to shreds. I can call my buddy Bronson up who used to sell insurance. He'll 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 freaking take the whole two hours talking about how bad it is. But uh <laughs> so Dwight sort of cuts him a little bit of a break. I mean, you got also gotta remember though, too, this guy works at the DMV. So he obviously has health care. I mean, let's let's not uh Let's not kid ourselves yeah. here. He's, he's, he's got some kind of hookups there. So the 10000 for him in particular, because he's a government peon, would, he should be fine. His medical expenses yeah. should be more than covered. Um, and, and then we've got his, his girlfriend, the ATF agent, who has had a pretty terrible day at work in that the guy he, she was trying to bust blew himself up. And, you know, then she finds out that her... I don't want to say boyfriend because they're not totally together, but they kind of are. Um, I think Stallone knows what's up. She's just not ready to accept it yet. You know, is now being truly, she goes up and throws her, her feds rep around to get him out. I, well, I think there was that, uh, I, I don't think it's, I think this is what people call seeing someone. Like, yeah. like, if you meet her at a bar, she would say, I'm seeing someone. Not sure if she's dating, but seeing. See, I always used to it's refer to people like that as my, well, I, I used to go with oh, um friend. <laughs> like, you know, she's my um friend, right? Because I'm not sure whether I'm dating her or not. I'm not sure whether this is just something else, but it's definitely interesting, right? Yep. And like I'm I'm so hoping he she becomes his like mob girlfriend, right? Like I wanna see her in the big puffy hair, uh walking the little dog in the tight pants at this point. Like I'm just I'm right there for it. Um because they get along so damn well, and that's the fun part of it. The best part about her becoming a mob girlfriend though is if she never acknowledges that she's changed her style. Right. And so like, everybody at work happens. is like, what is going on? And she is just, it's just a running joke that she just never, ever explains or talks or even thinks it's happening. Yeah. I, I feel like that would be pretty great A acting if she could get away with it. So, you know, and then we've got Dwight's driver realizing, hey, this guy's mobbed up and not just mobbed up a little, but he, he's a big deal. And I want into that world. And there's Stallone's character constantly trying to talk him out of it and letting him know how dangerous the life is, how, you know, it's the Italian mafia. It's not the equal opportunity mafia. And, you know, uh, and it's like, you're not going to be able to get as far as you think you're going to be able to get. And the guy's like, I don't care. I want in. I'm willing to do the work. I'm willing to put in the effort because this, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. And I thought that was very interesting that the guy's like, no, I realize that this guy's evil, but he's a fun kind of evil and I want in. And that was probably the neatest thing I saw. Yeah, he's he's probably in his mind, he's thinking he's chaotic neutral. What what did we think about the way the dad was reacting to the son rehearsing in the mirror? Like that was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in two seconds. Yeah, I thought that scene was stupid. His kid's trying to be tough, but then the dad is just, no. Yeah, I... I I did so well, and I still lost him to a gangster. Yeah, unfortunately, that was not... I I could see what they were trying to go for, but 
if dad can hear through the walls at that distance that much, chances are dad's already been scarred for life. Because there's yeah, no way he's going to hear him rehearsing that and then not hear other things that I'm not going to say that, on this but, channel directly. But, but you, if that, you're an adult, you know what I'm look, implying. I don't want to be political, but this is actually one of the shows that is showing the American like dilemma very well. Like his above 18 year old son has to live with him because that's the only place they can afford and I think the dad is just like, that's the world we live in. Like my mother-in-law, oh. we're living with her right now. And these walls are not perfectly thin. So like, that's why to me, this all made perfect sense, especially in the thin walls department. But also like in the sense that this kid is still a kid. Like he is, he may be over 18, but like he's acting like a child if he has to rehearse his mean face. <laughs> and his dad is like dealing with that like his oh like you don't rehearse that. arguments in the shower oh no dude it's all up in the noggin <laughs> well so I, I was just my, i stutter wherever you think about them is is a form of rehearsing just because he's doing it out loud that's no different yeah. than rehearsing it in your brain well i was but just thinking that's like him projecting it to himself fair enough and that's like he could have been doing that to you know be an actor in an amazon show or a Paramount show, but instead he's being a gangster. And that's what his dad is like. Well, I hearing. mean, consider from the dad's perspective, right? I mean, you know, you, you've got a, a son, you're, you're an African-American. You're thinking, I got to keep this kid out of the local gangs. You don't think I, you know, he's probably never thought I got to keep him out of the Italian mob. Right. Well, that's the worst part is like the dad from the jump in episode two recognized that like his kid was not working for a good person well yeah but like to me like that's where i really applaud not necessary not like just the 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 way it's presented but the the choice that they made for this dad is because like that is the hardest part about being a parent is like how do i my happy son who's making two thousand a week regret making two thousand a week well like because like so far he's never been shot at he's never had much bad happen except for the dealer yeah and so the dad is like i don't know how to talk him out of it and also push him right into it yeah like, and and this the way the actor is portraying it to me is just like wow that hurts yeah like yeah i, and I, that's I just why i thought that whole scene worked is because like this from the from when the scene when the dad was talking to him washing the car to the next thing like he's trying to get him away but also not push his son directly to what he's trying to keep him from yeah and he's the, watching him fail it, it like should have been hearing himself fail he he should have been like next to the door being cracked to hear as quietly because he wasn't screaming it okay that's the other thing that bothered me he's standing in the kitchen and he's hearing his whispers all through while the tv's on in the living room uh, sorry I, the immersion was just not there for me at all fair enough but you have to admit the subtext of the scene with dwight and this kid in the cafe when Dwight is trying to to give him his retirement pay and get him out the door. And the kid is sitting there like, no, this is actually the best opportunity that has happened in my entire life. I absolutely refuse to throw away the one shot I've ever had at becoming something. 
simply because it gets a little dangerous. That subtext playing through that whole scene was absolutely fantastic. I agree. And, and it also says a lot about Dwight that he's not willing to put this good kid who's, you know, had it kind of not awesome throughout his life through hell simply because it would be convenient for him. You know, Dwight may be a mobster and a bad guy, but he's not a terrible human being. And that's what makes the character so intriguing. Yeah, anyway, uh, going back to Arende, uh, who wrote in, Accepting a job from the mafia seems like a dumb idea to me. Establishes you as a useful tool and you end up with more and more requests. Well, Arende, you just figured out one of the reasons that uh, John and I left the military so willingly. Because in a sort of reverse way, if you're the guy who goes and volunteers to do all of the shitty jobs... Guess what you get to do all the time? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hard work you pays off. With, yeah, you, you get more You get more work for, for more work. And it's like, wait, what? That doesn't seem... Uh, I, I was told that if I set the example, other people... No, that's not how that works? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I think, I think this... And I think this showing such a great job of, like, portraying it because the military was... It, it's the legal mafia. Like... As far as joining a group that is supposed to be tight as blood every day, and and, and I say legal mafia without any like quotes, like I it, it's an organized crime unit for the most part. Look at Fort Hood, but <laughs> when you when you take the reasons that we were motivated to join the military, money was never in it. And so that's where the illegal uh, really like speak for yourself over the military. Well, I never got any kind of bonus, sign on bonus. So Oh, the whole reason money... I ended up in the in the military was because my government crashed our economy to the point where I could barely even hold a dead end job. Now also I was a shithead, but at the same time, I mean two thousand nine was not in abundance. Now of course you you well, joined in about I'll fifteen, all... so yeah, you had different well, reasons would, than I, me. But for me, it know, was I economic. All of that, my big thing was, as far as economics goes, I didn't want to care. I wanted enough money and a place to sleep every night, and as long as I had that, I like I didn't care how much the money was. Yeah, you should have gone to the Air the Force difference. then. Oh no, well, man, that, he couldn't handle see, drinking then, that many drinks with think, an umbrella well, in them. That's why I think this show did such a great portrayal of like the the young adolescent male, which is I wanted to go fight. I want like I, I actually had that aspiration and that desire and that drive. And I was like, well, if I'm going to fight, I'm going to be trained by the greatest fighting force possible. And that was according to all the spec operators. They were like the one that will get you to the top the fastest in terms of like quality training Marines. And that's every right. spec ops across all the branches. And so that's why yep. I joined the Marines. Right. On top of that, dumb. Because in the exact same instance of the character in the show, I did it for the glory and put my whole body and life at risk. And and that's what this kid's doing. He's he's doing it for his own personal satisfaction. He's like, I'm working with this super gangster dude in a world that doesn't care about me. And I'm getting good money yeah. for it. So I'm going to be well, really good at this. I mean, let, let's oh, be honest. Hold on, I mean, hold on, hold on, hold when... on. Hold on. Cozy Koala writes in, hello all. Hello, Cozy Koala. I um, believe she's here on a break too. That's why I wanted to just quickly acknowledge that. Nice. All right. So, Arendi, like, look, I get where you're coming from. 
but the mob does not come at you uh you know at like fat tony from the simpsons and be like i have a favor to offer you and in exchange i will give you a, uh, a, a reasonable amount of money no 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 really wish they did though they... no 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 but like what happens is like you get hired for a job and suddenly, you know, you show some promise and they're like, well, maybe I bring you in for more jobs and I pay you insanely well. And you start going, yeah, you know, I, I, I know all this these might laws be evil. don't matter. Right. You know, like, I, I know they're evil, but they're the kind of evil that's making sure that I have a roof over my head. I have food on my table and not just regular food. But, like, good food. And now I can afford that gym membership that I've wanted. Lawfully. It's hard to say no. And Yeah. And you have to remember there's the, the idea of, it's funny, the, the, the terrible relationship la, archetype of I can fix him. And, and, and yeah. joining the group, I can fix it from within. And, and that's such a, a pure-hearted goal. And so the idea is like, well, I'll work for the mob, but I'll only do the good jobs that don't involve hurting anyone. If I have to pick up money, like, okay, I understand. But like, we're protecting these people because like, we're the family of the community. And like, that's what all the mafia is telling you. But all the citizens are telling you, we hope you all trip on gasoline and light yourself on fire. Well, like, I mean, I, I don't know about that. Like, I'll, it, but I'll give that's you the same example. thing that like... It, it, it's the echo chamber. That's what I was trying to paint is like yeah. when you join the group that there's a lot of them trying to tell you that the law is just out to kill the little guy and you're the little guy. So time for you to be the big guy and fight the law back. Just break as many as you want. And it's that echo chamber of telling you you're doing it for the well, right reasons. I mean, self-righteous indignation. It's not just that too. I mean, you take a look. There you go. That's, that's a good. Yeah, there, there's that. But here, here's, Here's another component to it. Do you know who in Japan coaches the most little leagues? The Yakuza. You know who does the most infrastructure work in Japan in terms of like building like play spaces for kids or running orphanages or all that stuff? It's the Yakuza. And why do they do that? Because if the community values them more than the laws that the community runs under who's going to protect them. It's going to be the community. And that's how these criminal organizations work is they become so much of a positive influence on the community that nobody wants to turn them in. Who wants to turn in your little, your kid's little league coach because somebody claims that they were involved in a bank job and how could, you know, Tony be involved in a bank job anyway. Right. That's that's well, how this whole system works. But that's how the system in Japan works, and obviously, Japan oh, it works is here too. So much more efficient at organization and processes. Um, more, my explanation and, and and that kind of side is more on the being the gangster because, like, that's the character we've painted as this, this kid doesn't have a problem with gangsters whether he's actually talking to a mafioso or he's being considered um cool in the community like gangster criminals it, it he all just thinks it's the state that bothers him and in that instance working with dwight 
has shown him all of the benefits and he has had yet to have one single consequence from it. Even though Dwight got shot, he wasn't there. He didn't suffer that traumatic event. So yep. for him, like he is on his hero's journey and Dwight here just got out of 25 years in prison. And I, I don't think that this show is saying that prison reform worked for him, but he yeah. definitely yeah. is a different gangster than when he went in. Well, I, I think no matter what you do when you start getting into the you know 50 to 70 racket, if you haven't picked up a little bit of wisdom by that point, then you're doing things wrong. Right, and so I think that's like the really cool thing is like Dwight isn't pushing this kid away because he's a good guy. He pushed him away, and then like I love the way he ended the conversation. You chose this. Just reminded mm-hmm. the kid yeah. flat out, this is your fault. Here on out, you are here because you want to be. Now here's your mission. Yep. And and that, but I, like I just I love how this show is so good at painting all of that at at, at like we know we're not supposed to like dwight's choices and so we don't but then we watch this kid make those choices and to be honest if it was stallone (laughs) i'm with the kid i'm making those dumb choices yeah arende wanted to clarify uh he says i was talking about work when speaking about being punished going by the going the extra mile but uh regardless still a still a good discussion and I think it really speaks to the character of Dwight in a very positive way because he didn't he didn't he didn't try to groom the kid by saying, you know, if something happens to you, I'd feel bad. So do you want to stay here? I mean, I'll keep paying you or you should. No, he straight he goes for he does it the Came right way. Firing. He goes straight up with a uh, dude. I'm not going to get you caught up in this stuff. This isn't this isn't, you know. This isn't a TV show. <laughs> it's the best way I can yeah, think right. it goes off wait, about saying wait, it. No, no, wait. I was thinking about he, uh, he, he legitimately, like, if we think about why Dwight picked this kid, is, like, he never thought he was ever going to get shot at in Tulsa. And the moment he did, he was like, I'm not going to ruin this kid's heart. Like, I don't care if I, you know, pay this kid a shit ton of money to drive me around all around town. That doesn't bother me. Oh, I'm getting shot at. Oh, I'm risking an actually like golden child. Like uh, uh, this kid is a sweetheart. He's a fun person to be around. He does like talk when he doesn't, when I don't want him to, he listens to me, follows orders. Like he's a great person. Oh, I got shot. You're out, bud. Right. And And that's that's my point. Like is that he does it. He, he doesn't do it from a point of fake virtue of, Oh, I'm going to talk talk myself i'm gonna talk him in in, you know he wants this he clearly wants it no he straight up goes for the i'm letting this do i can't do this like like, he can't live with it on his conscience but he doesn't he doesn't he he doesn't this is exactly the perfect way to go about doing this situation because he's not deciding for the kid that oh you can't be in this he's trying to say no you can't but because the kid's insistent no i want to do this i'm not going to have another opportunity like this i live with my parents i want you know this is my break then he's like all right at that point i don't need to say anything he didn't manipulate him but he's not going to tell him no either and try to run his life so i, I think like i and he i learned a lot of respect for dwight him. this episode 
Right, because he definitely yeah. didn't manipulate him because he offered severance. He was like, here's yeah, enough yeah. money to figure it out without me. Yep. Like, that, like, to me, I feel like that is the ultimate way to make sure you're not manipulating somebody is if you're in control of their income stream, but you do want the best for them, give them enough to do better. Just like Dwight, Dwight from The Office with Jim and Pam, when he's like, no, 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 you're fired. The best I can do is one month's pay for every month you worked here. That's a year and a half or something like that. And like, that's what this Dwight did too. That's, that's hilarious. Well, I, I honestly think that the, the thing that the way I was seeing the care, like the way I was seeing what Dwight was thinking was like, I can give this guy, this kid enough money that potentially he could go to school. Like we had talked about, you know, I can get this kid out. I can get him a future. So he doesn't necessarily need to wind up like me. And the kid's like, no, 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 no. I, I know what I want now. I want this life. And, you know, Dwight realized that, that at that point he wasn't going to be able to talk him out of it anyway. Right? He realized there's no going back for this kid now. He's made his call. Exactly. And, and so on the other on question. the other side of fake virtue... He doesn't try to be like, oh, no, you can't. I'm not going to can't live with it. It's like, no, no, no. Now, now Dwight's making his choice. So like I said, perfect. That's how you go about it perfectly. Mm -hmm. But my question is, is which life is the kid asking for? Does he like being Dwight's driver because Dwight's a great dude to work for? Or does he actually know that he just told Dwight, no, I'm ready to be a full-on mafioso ground up. I got to start at the bottom prospect my way through the gang. Well, and I want to I, I I answer I that, but I want to do it quickly. I the request that was offered. I, I want to answer that, but I want to do it very quickly, so just bear with me. So, John, you and I already know the, the answer to that because he, he does make a point that the kid is not quite badass but he's also not quite, you know, a good, he's not a boy scout either. It was the expression used. Well, remember what, where we, where we spent a few years of our life, right? In the military. Okay. How much of the military is, especially in your branch of service, how much of it is actual fighting and how much of it is logistics? And then once you have that ratio in your head, realize that the mafia is very likely the same way. We're used to seeing the cracking skulls on the, you know, on the front lines of battle and it's a hard life, right? Yeah, if you're on the front lines of battle, it probably is. Whereas if you're one of the many, many henchmen, there's about a 10% chance you'll actually see any real combat. Most of what else is in the mafia operation is logistics. And so it's a good chance that the kid could have a very high up position, but not see violence. Like that is entirely possible. On that note... Dwight was sent to Tulsa to start an organization. The literal front lines of war. Yeah, Dwight's on the front this lines. Kid is enlisting. But he doesn't no, but, want and, and yeah, and he doesn't enlisting. But no, that so that's who so my thought is is that's who Dwight's gonna train train. He's gonna train a frontline fighter, and I don't think that's what the kid was asking to be. I think the kid was asking to continue being a driver, screw the risk. But he didn't ask. He said, no, I want in. Well, and Dwight probably heard that. If the story's going to work. I'm speculating for the rest of the season. Sorry, if that wasn't clear. Yeah. If the series is going where I think it's going to go, 
given how much time we've gotten for the ATF and gun runners going on in the city, those two groups, you know, Dwight's team of like misfits and those gun runners are going to come to a head and it's going to be soon. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to guess you didn't soul of the city. I'm going to guess you didn't watch the, uh, next time on Tulsa King bit. Did you? No. I was so I mad that that do. came on without do. me. Just yeah, make sure I it's hate... fresh. I... Dude, it uh, You know what? I'm just going to leave it there. two seconds of that played, and it was the next scene from the episode. I was like, wait, why did the music change and act like a commercial? And then I hit skip back and realized I'd missed over the credits, and it was a commercial. I was so pissed that that's what they showed me next. I hate commercials. Uh. Okay, Such well then I guess well, right. And anyway, I'll take that. I, I think yeah, we'll we'll see what's in store next week. Uh, but we're gonna go ahead and move on to the oh, peripheral. No, I didn't spoil unless... anything for you, Corion. It was literally the next scene that was supposed to happen after the first scene, like a- after the okay. very last scene of the episode. And okay. and there was only two seconds. It pissed me off so much. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> Corion. Well, your like, ability is to predict over, shows. Like, the episode was good. Might benefit and you. I was in like, this oh one. wow, it just it, it just picked up, and then I was like, this is commercial music in the episode at the end. That's gross. And I was wrong. It was commercial music, commercial. Yeah. All right. Any last well, thoughts I before mean... we move on to peripheral? Because we do have a lot to unpack with there. We got a lot to unpack with in the hands of the prophets. So. Yeah. Let's let's Heck move yeah. on, man. All right. So the peripheral. Yeah, see you next week. Who wants the uh, play-by-play for the peripheral? Uh, All right. right. So, yeah, I got it. All right. I would say I usually do DS9. Yeah, yeah. So what we have here is our uh, our hired hitman is now on the loose and has realized that the best way to approach the the next uh, the next way to trap the the brother and sister pair is probably to go after the mom so he sets a trap for her at a, you know he sets a trap with her as the bait in a hospital uh we have the investigator testing the her the three uh the three of them the uh the two boys and the the sister and we have um, the mother whose blindness has returned and she's now going to the hospital being taken by one of the, the boys with the haptics uh, to see what what is going on with her. Uh, we also have the deputy trying to get to the bottom of what the heck has been going on in this town and slowly coming to terms with the fact that nobody in this town is exactly who they say they are. So I think that's a pretty straight up... Uh, synopsis of what's going on here bye cozy koala have a good oh, rest was... of shift solid did you also the way go cozy koala thanks for joining yeah really you rock it. take you care have many things to do and places to spend your break and we're flattered that you spin it here that's gonna show how awesome our audience is shout out to the audience real quick that yeah yeah always makes me feel loved when you guys participate it really does yeah, we, we, we are literally, you guys being in the chat is our life support for the week. So we thank you for keeping us alive for another week. Yeah, I mean, as much as we it, love it, bullshitting amongst how ourselves. how I convinced my wife to put up with this. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, well, our wives are saints, let's be honest, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for putting up with us, yeah. Oh, well, I just mean more, we got a two-year-old at home who needs parental supervision, and she does it most all day, every day, as it is. And then I just tack on another two hours on our weekend. <laughs> and she, uh, I need you guys to help me convince her that I will eventually make money. Eventually, the audience could happen tomorrow. Could happen in another twenty years. We just don't know. Um, yep. But if we keep getting people like Arende, Cozy Koala, Nemesis of Eden, and Galenda to show up and continue to show up and want to continue to be a part Skogli of our discussion, Skogliotin, yeah, there's another one. And we get our hundredth subscriber, like the amazing Cameron Pasha decided to do. Yes, I mean, guys, I'm just saying. Shout out to Cameron for, again. Yeah, and I'm just going to put it out there. If it's good enough for Cameron, it's good enough for you. I got to send him the homework this week to see if he can make next week, especially since we're doing low tour starting next week. But more on that oh, don't, yeah. later. Don't forget, if you uh, if you want to see our interview with Cameron Pasha on the Rogue Council, you have until Friday. Yep. Yeah, we'll plug Time that at the end of the show. Ticking down. All right, back to what... And it was spent. Meanwhile, uh, and I, yeah. Um... In the peripheral, Meanwhile, in London 2099. To, yeah, to London 2100 alternate future C135 Alpha Z. Um, <laughs> this episode was so phenomenal. Even the last two minutes. I, My wife and I were watching as we were falling asleep. And she fell asleep right as the deputy goes off and i was like i have to turn this off and i didn't know at what point in the episode i had turned it off and so yesterday we went to like go and finish it and there's two minutes left and she was like oh i'm sorry i fell asleep and i was like no but you had to see this 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 got so phenomenal and then we're both watching it and she's just like i didn't see any of this coming and i've never seen anything like this on like one of these style shows like the amount of game of thrones twist in character development that that one scene had at the end i was just like the writers know what they're doing well i I will definitely say this um i really feel for that deputy because being a boy scout your whole life in in at least your understanding that being a cop in this town is supposed to be about being a better person and having that higher virtue of, of enforcing the law and trying to be a good that, that you're up. Oh, we're losing that. Now. Everything it, that it you would appear that going... it would appear oh, that Jin have back? decided to invade our stream now too. <laughs> uh, I'll get out the today. digital sage. Um, okay. Well, can you send me some? I, I really felt terrible for that deputy. Yeah, no problem. Um, I really felt bad for that deputy there because his entire life was built on the idea of having these higher ideals and that he was working for an organization built on those higher ideals. And to find out that the sheriff is basically in the pocket of a gangster, that he works for this gangster, and that this deputy better start getting on, on task for working for this gangster too. And that everything that he believed in injustice and truth and whatnot is a complete lie. And that if he doesn't get on the program, they're going to put him away. You know, and him just deciding, okay, I've had enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. There is a third option here. 
was well, a fantastic idea. It, it was a double entendre in education because one of the big things, like the cop wasn't just saying that truth and justice are a lie. It's that they're childish beliefs. Like when it comes yeah. down to it, it's the law of the land and the ruler of the land. And this kid was like, all right, in that case, there is no law. And that's such a, like, to me, that's the answer. That was the answer that was presented to him. Just kill this guy. Like, obviously he's a crook and he deserves to die. But then this kid like knew all about the weight of that choice. And so he, like, when he comes in with the line, like, I've got one for you. And he's just yeah. like, he was still here, his gunster. And to do that, and still, like, where, where Pickett still was like, all right, buddy, you're out of ammo. And I, dude, I thought that was a genuine failure. Because he what like the the cop didn't know he'd used all of his rounds, and I legitimately thought that like they were gonna pretend like he could keep shooting. Because, th but then Pickett n announces it, and I was like, "That's fog of war." Like when you do the thing in the heat of the moment, see red, you waste ammo, a and oh man, I just thought that was so perfectly executed and and it like as a writer i just had this like don't don't mess this up you're treading such a perfect line please don't pretend like that gun can shoot please don't yeah don't and, don't and john woo this don't john yeah, woo this i was scared that was gonna happen and it didn't and i was so just like that is why I love this show so much because they keep doing that to me. Like even with our last discussion on the bridge scene, I was like, no, it made sense. I know it did. Let me go double check. And I double checked and I was right because like these, these writers are threading the needle. They're like, do you guys want to see the almost worst video game movie in history that's actually perfect? Because it's going to hurt you while you watch it, but in a great way. Yeah, I, I feel like this is a series that really knows its audience. And its audience is guys like us who sit down and watch for stuff. And are very careful about what we see on screen. And because they constantly flirt with us on the, oh, I'm about to give you a really bad continuity or ah, just kidding, right? And they, they just play with that the whole time. Every once in a while, we get a scene like that. Every once in a while, we get a character like, like that. And it's just done perfectly. And, and, and but to add to that, from last week's episode, the whole scene where the one buddy uh, took the haptics and, and took the PTSD, I don't think that was so much and uh, everybody can do it i feel like that's a certain person on the group that's even what seemed to be implied the line right like i feel like we're even getting more from that character and like his role in the team is that like he has a better control of his haptics which kind of tells us that like they picked the wrong two but only because burton shouldn't have been the second one <laughs> yeah uh mental bullet sponge that's what he is. Well, I don't know if he's a mental bullet sponge yeah. so much as he is. 
See, I was almost going to call him the team chaplain. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's again that's mental perfect. bullet sponge. That's even better, emotional and mental for sure. But oh, yeah, no, right. I like. Sorry, that. emotional that's was supposed to be implied. Perfect. My bad. Medic, what if he's the medic? Team medic. Like we haven't heard anything about assigned roles. Like we've gotten yeah. a little bit of rank. Burton's a sergeant, and uh, I can never remember the paraplegic's name, but. He was a lance corporal. Remember his rank. Can't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. Yeah, he's just going to be the lance corporal now. I loved how he, they 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 use thermal like in video games, but the guys with the scopes aren't using it. They have a spotter, which goes to like show how much team operations is so essential is even in the most elite squad like no guy on the team is rambo the team as a whole comes off as rambo but only when everybody's there to operate and, and uh, i oh i i am gonna say the use of their downed comrades haptics to cause a distraction was a work of freaking brilliance and let us know how interconnected these guys really are and the acknowledgement of how messed up that was like it wasn't a MacGuffin. it was like no that this is something that we've basically postulated throughout the whole series so far and it's obviously going to be emotionally disturbing to all participants and it yeah. was like there was a debate about that and, and that's something that a lot of like sci-fi shows never deal with. Like this show's proving that you can deal with all of the hard stuff while having it still be part of the fun stuff. Like these haptics yeah. are emotionally debilitating and a major hindrance on the users. And that's been apparent and discussed throughout the show while simultaneously there's in the military was willing to accept them. Well, I, I think one of the work. Yeah, I think one of the best things that sci-fi does when they present a new technology is to show the benefits and the drawbacks of that technology in roughly equal measure because it allows the audience to decide whether that would be worth it or not. Like if you could share your brother's joy and coordinate like one unit to keep, try to keep everybody alive. But the drawback is you have to experience all of their pain. Would you do it? Right? That's I, an interesting I question the, to ask yourself. Well, and I think this show even asked the worst version of that question. And your brothers have to experience all of your depression. Are you willing right? to share that with them? Are you willing to give them that burden? Because according to you, it's crippling incapable of yeah. being surmounted and you have to just share it yeah. entirely you don't get to control how they they just stall that to me i feel like like oh, this show is the only show that's ever made that question so real like oh maybe this is a challenge of conscience more than i ever thought before or even just a mat like I can't imagine, um, you know, 
look, I've been in, in weird situations in like, you know, where you're out for weeks at a time, you're dirty, you're, you're, you know, in rough shape or whatever. I cannot imagine being in a situation like that and everybody also knowing my most intimate thoughts that I would never let anyone ever know at the same time. Like, you know, Marines were always talking about the bond they have with their team. This takes it to a whole new level. And that's what I love about this show is who are the ones that got more updated bond? The Marines. Like the people that are so modernly intense about it were so vocal that the writers, as far as we can, like there is no evidence that I could find last week or this week that shows that these writers are military related, but they knew that the one group that would be brotherly enough to do this was the Marines. And I think that's really really awesome like that just a talent to the writers and a testament to their like awareness of the different military forces because you said this was the army i would have been out a long time ago and believing that the army would do this and be this tight like they just the other branches don't tend to suck the suck as hard and in camaraderie as often yeah i get you yeah i mean it's just Oh, go ahead. Go, no, please, please. Well, yeah, it's... This is what... This show is what I love most about science fiction. This is what peak science fiction looks like. And I mean, this show is... I honestly don't feel like we've been giving these episodes enough time... uh, For what they really deserve. Now, obviously, we've sticked to our two-hour model... We're here for as long as we're here. If and when the audience would like more extended commentary, we'll provide it when we can make that happen. Um, because this is one of those shows that I would I would honestly take it out of our normal lineup and make its own show based off of. Because there is so much that occurs in this presentation. And we do a pretty decent job of covering a lot of it. But let's be honest, there's more going on besides cool sci-fi concepts. There's actual story, there's actual character moments that take place. Like, there was a whole lot of character development that we we learned about the relationships that actually exist and how they function and how, you know, things are so strenuous with the society in London in 2100, at least in their particular timeline, that literal adversaries and enemies walk to each, walk up to each other's faces and taunt each other and then walk out and then they go into each other's homes. And it's like, where have we seen a concept where the good guys and the bad guys, although we don't even know who the good guys, bad guys are. I don't even know what's going on really with the whole, what is the motive with Alita? What, what, who's, who am I supposed to be rooting for in the future? You know, like, I don't, it's like one minute we see, we see one side of things with certain characters, but then it's like, okay, is this going to get flipped on us? And it's going to turn out that, that, that the Fishers actually do need to die for a higher cause. And then of course there's all the implications and the philosophy that takes place in this show. Like I'm not just impressed with it being a sci-fi show, but with how it just, full of depth uh, 
And the sheer richness that this show has on its own. And it's, it's, where'd this even come from? <laughs> it was a book. And I mean, it's like, I haven't enjoyed the politics of a show quite like this since Game of Thrones. And that's why I say, like, this is already, like, peak Game of Thrones good in its writing and its execution. And uh, and yet, and this, and then yet, we had such a satisfying episode of episode seven because not I love watching when 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 the bad guys finally get their comeuppance, and I felt like we got a bonus treat at the end. I did not see that coming. I did not think that the sheriff kid was actually he he was actually going to do what he did, and then he did. I was excited. I was rooting for him. I was like, oh my gosh, Tommy finally grew up, and uh, yeah. Well- to me, that that's been something that I've been afraid of. Like every time we do these new shows, uh, I watch a lot of other writers discuss them on their other channels, and and that was something I was worried with the way they were writing uh, the main character. I had a big fear that she was going to end up being as close to the best version of Mary Sue we could ever get. And so far, like the title of Mary Sue for her has been dead. But when we have Mary Sue's, we always have horrible male characters, right? And so usually their love interest is the least masculine character we've ever seen and usually tends to have no external force except for the Mary Sue. Whereas in this show, Tommy's been painted as that because he's a Boy Scout, Boy Scout. And then this show is like, and this is how a Boy Scout deals with finding out the troop leader is actually a criminal and that 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 to me was like wow these writers know exactly all the lines turns they're out about M- missed you on that one corion came in super scratched the corion is now stuck in a parallel universe time bubble oh now he's moving yeah, I, I, I got to figure out what the heck is going on here. That's when all right. You ended it turns out. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it turns out that, like, the troop leader is Dwight from Tulsa King, right? Like, I mean, you know, that's where we're at. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's a perfect parallel because, like, Pick gets Dwight at, at his fullest. But then so is this cop, yep. too, in, an, in in the same sense that, like, both of them know what they're doing and also have no qualms about it. Like, the sheriff likes mm-hmm. Pickett because Pickett does at least keep it to the shadows. And therefore, the sh- like, the sheriff will work with him and, and, and help him. And this kid, like, I feel like that's one of the hardest parts about being the Boy Scout is you realize that the darkness has been painted pretty and when you start revealing it there's so much chaos to follow because of how well they hit it how much they infected the world like i think i really hope pickett didn't die because i don't want tommy to regret killing him because that's what will happen if pickett is for sure dead he was staving off a because they they paint the the town as a highway, a drug highway, uh, and, and so in that instance, like, P- 
Pickett's loss could be substantially chaotic. And, and that could just lean like line season two up for just all this chaos. Because like you said, probably like never have I actually wanted to know the politics more. Like I still don't know the politics. I don't even know the politics of 2036. There was an invasion on Texas. And a secession Why? apparently. Exactly. Exactly. Like, but none of that is explained yet. And and now I'm just so intrigued. Well, and the thing is, you bring up the Mary Sue thing. This this show and Tulsa King are basically doing the social commentary and characters in the most correct way possible. Like, you know, and, and that's the okay sign, you idiots. Um that's and that's that's what I love about both of these shows is is these are good for a lot of good reasons. Tulsa King is doing social commentary perfectly and the the peripheral is doing characters and proper diversity casting. Nobody at any point has been disparaged or considered or treated less than to elevate another character. Every character has their strengths and their weaknesses, and that's what we see being played to. You know, one minute we see that uh, Flynn is the voice of reason, and then the next minute we see that her brother is the voice of reason. We especially saw that when they had to go to the to the urgent care and and save their mom. He's like, Flynn, this is my this is my arena. You need to trust me to do it. You need to stop being emotional. You need to let me drive. And she was like. It, you know, instead of having a strong, independent, wah-man moment, she she trusts her older brother like a normal person would do or should do in that instance. And yeah, well, I, I, I love this show because it does that basically in every episode. We get the chance for Mary Sue to show her ugly head. And instead, we have a human sister dealing with her human brother and they both never resolve the like tension or conflict or you know like neither of them have ever become the leader of the family they are equal parts brother and sister through and through and the like the way burton actually like addresses flynn he's like this is the one thing in all of our life that's going on that i'm actually trained for and great at can you please stop pretending like you understand what's going on just because you're a part of it like that's the part of fog of war that they try to beat out of you in the military is that like just because you're a part of the chaos doesn't mean you know what's going on and you have to acknowledge that and know that the only thing you can do is choose your approach to the chaos your relationship and you just move and that's what he's doing. He's like, I can control my people and we'll take care of the chaos. But that's what I'm good at is I know where I belong in the chaos at all times. And and we got that on the bridge. And then we got it again in this episode and just magnificent. Well, that that's the nice thing about this series is that every character has their strengths and weaknesses and every character has their flaws but they have those things that they really truly excel at. Right? We get the impression, like we get Flynn, who is amazing when she's inside the the peripheral. 
but she's kind of awkward and indecisive and not really that great when she's in the real world. Right? We have the Lance Corporal, who, you know, is clearly a good guy, but also clearly has some serious issues going on. We have Flynn's brother, who is a mess up in regular everyday life, but you put him in a chaotic mess of a situation and suddenly he's got everything under control. And I know a lot of guys in the service who are like that, that can't handle real life, but you put the, but you put someone shooting at them and suddenly they're, they're in just, they're in their natural state. And this is what this show is doing. Well, is every character has those things. Every character has flaws. Every character has details. Every character has depth. And this is what we need. Look, I am. there are scenarios where I can see where a Mary Sue character would absolutely work. But only if every character other than the Mary Sue has significant depth and reason for deferring to her. The problem is what we've gotten out of Hollywood for the last while is characters that we had this Mary Sue character. We had this like stand in for whoever the writer was, but none of the other characters had depth. None of the other characters had meaning. None of the other characters had reasons for deferring to that character. And this is what we need. We want, we don't just want one character that we're supposed to look at. We want to be able to identify with components of every other character in the scene, right? I want to be able to, for some reason, identify with the the flute player in the background of a Star Wars scene if I need to, because that's what should happen, okay? Every character should have something, and every character should have a reason for being in the scene, and we get that here, and we get yep. all of this. One of Star and- Trek's greatest strengths... Sorry, John, I gotta jump in on this one... Um, One of Star Trek's greatest strengths has always been its characters. That's why Star Trek is not told from the perspective of a singular character. And when doing so, just derails the entire operation. Because, like you said, these characters are Mary Sue's. And the other characters don't have depth. The other characters might as well be wearing a cheerleader outfit. Because that's literally all the supporting characters to a Mary Sue do. Is talk about how great the Mary Sue is. There was one show that actually did try to do the Mary Sue concept like you described. And even that didn't turn out to be a Mary Sue because it just does. It's one punch man. One punch man is this super best at everything. Invincible guy. And then we find out, no, he's not perfect at everything. He actually has shortcomings because he's got to have some drawbacks. That's just, that's just how it works. I mean, maybe I can be proven wrong in some years that we can see a super badass Mary Sue character, some could argue Jesus from the Bible is that character. My point is, there's just not... It just doesn't work when you don't have reasons to care about an ensemble cast of characters, and yet you try to push that formula of, here's the main guy, and then here's all these other guys that are supposed to be great too, but we only ever hear about them if they're going to die. Otherwise, they're just planks of wood to to cheer on the main character. No, see, people misattribute what Star Trek is. People think, oh, original series, Captain Kirk. Well, no, Captain Kirk, Sulu, Chekhov, McCoy, Spock, Uhura, Yeoman Rand, they're all important too. Um, 
DS9, Next Gen. That's all the strengths of, of, of those shows come from the fact that we get episodes to get to know those characters. That's what we've seen in the peripheral. Now, we haven't had as much time as I would like to develop a couple of the characters, but you can see the way that they do this, that it's all based... Uh, or that it's all... Yeah, it's all based. It's all, it's all grounded. Cast. And they yeah. all have their moments of where you get to know them a little bit. And and yeah, everybody has a part to play in making the team help work. It's not, oh, we got to make sure Flynn's the greatest ever because, oh, she's so awesome. And oh my gosh, I love her. It's, What's it? yeah, Flynn's awesome and I love her, but I also love this guy. And I love, you know, the the, the freaking, the cripple <laughs> is is. <laughs> I can even understand some of his struggle at times, well, and I have all my limbs. That's how good Karen. That's good writing right there. Well, and I think so. Like I think that's the the really great thing about this show is because it really does take all of the things that a lot of Mary Sue writers are trying to say. Like if you listen to people in normal life, it's like the three of us can contest this. Who's the most responsible person in your house? It's your wife. There's, there's no way you would ever claim that you're the most responsible one. Right. And this show wow. made Flynn the most responsible character in the show, but responsibility does not equal intelligence. It does not equal automatic understanding of chaos. It doesn't equal automatic adaptation to change instead responsibility is like flynn is the one that is taking care of mom is taking care of burton is taking care of flynn the youngest member of the family responsible af but every other version of life chaos turmoil of a story turmoil of you know the events of this show her responsibility shines bright Take care of Burton. Take care of mom. But also, I have no idea what's going on. And I can't... And, and, and we see her. She actually has these debates. Like, she say, I can't figure out how to stay responsible while also dealing with all this new information. And, and she has those fights. Not fights, but, like, thoughts with the characters in the show. And we get to see a human who's always painted as the responsible one prove why they're the responsible one because she has these discussions openly. Burton doesn't discuss his pain, his struggle, his, his conflict internal, but she does. She's like, I don't know what to do. What do you guys think? And because of that, her responsibility grows and adapts to the situation, but she's the only one willing that she's too dumb for this event ahead of her. And she's willing to take advice, whereas everybody else isn't. And that's the difference between responsibility and training and, and knowledge and education. Like, just because you have those things doesn't mean you're responsible. And just because you're responsible doesn't mean you have those things. And this show has been proving that every episode. And I think that's, that's what the Mary Sue writers wished they could do. And if that's the case here's your marker here's your new standard like it's okay to suffer because that makes me like flynn even more you, you put flynn against uh wonder woman especially 1984 wonder woman and Ugh. flynn has so much more respect and admiration and deserves it so much more 
1984 Wonder Woman could even ask for, yep. let alone garner. And, and, and that's, to me, what this show is really proving is that you can have fun and still do it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we move to... Uh... Well, yeah, I guess uh, I didn't even think that that was because I, I thought maybe I guess it was going to go I just love that we... But, uh glossed over the tower which was probably one of the <laughs> coolest trainings as i've ever seen yeah that whole thing the inspector's uh daughter i guess as it turns out it was also a peripheral because the real daughter daughter was ai dead. um yeah. yeah yeah that was quite a twist all right so the inspector Dude, the inspector. I was so hyped for the inspector on the last episode, and we just glossed over everything she did. Oh, well, you we know glossed what? over the pair of texts, too, but, you know. That's why I was saying what we I was saying earlier. We could literally just do a show separate on the peripheral as a peripheral oh, commentary. Yeah. Well, We're not big enough well, to branch the, off like that yet, but that's that's the, because some of the ideas that we want to do is more in-depth commentary well, when we can afford it. Now that I brought all that stuff up, I just realized that there was a huge reveal in this episode from the inspector. And the idea that these people are called stubs isn't because there's multiple stubs. It's because there's multiple people from the one stub they've ever created. We don't have any information on how they created that step. Nobody has, like, I feel like they tapped into a wormhole. And that's what we're about to find out is like the whole stub thing. Purely like the gangsters making up an explanation for their new employee. Like they just needed an explanation and they have no idea what they're dealing with. And so, like, that's the layman speak, but it's not the, it, like, yeah, the way it was presented is that the, even though the writers may not have an actual science for it, when the science does ever make itself available, this show can't be called a liar because they, per, like, they gave it enough room that the scientists never tried to explain how this happened yet. Actually, guys, I'm going to call it now. I'm absolutely going to call it now. The data that was downloaded in the first episode, this whole thing. Right. That data is how you create a stub or a connection to a theoretical stub. And it's now manifested itself as a biological uh, virus currently in in Flynn's brain. God damn. Because this it show... was supposed to go to Burton with the AI feet haptics capable of processing it. Man, I'm pretty sure like, that's what uh, I mean by how much the room they gave the science. We're gonna we're gonna have like fifteen minutes to talk about Lord of the Rings next week, but that's why we're pushing off the book comparison for a month so we have time to digest the show and then read the book next month. Um Big because man, there's just so much that that took place. We really just don't have time to get into any more of it. So yeah, if you're not convinced yet, you gotta watch the peripheral. There's so much that goes on. This is like a show that deserves to watch. I may we may have to just rewatch it before we do the book comparison. I have a but... strong feeling that if this show does try to go for ten seasons, we are going to be 
talked about on the film theory episodes that try to figure <laughs> out what happens in the next season. Like, because this show is like, I feel like they are telling us what they're going to do. Oh, and, I'm, and, I'm... And if we were a film theory style show, we would have found all of the possible threads. I'm, uh... and, and season two will be looking back. Yeah, I'm I'm convinced that we're getting a cliffhanger ending next week. That seems to be the trend this year is is shows taking that very ballsy first season cliffhanger, but I guess that's the that's just where we're at with the storytelling. But moving on now to another discussion that will also take us into overtime <laughs> or try to is the the amazing and highly I'd say underrated, well, maybe not for the time, but definitely an episode of Deep Space Nine, another Star Trek episode that has aged like a top-shelf fine wine. And that is, of course, the, the season one finale in the hands of the Prophets. To to add to your your uh, credits, it's an under-credited episode. I feel like more people need to see this to discuss how to handle this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I will go ahead and start us off. Keiko's teaching the station's children about the wormhole when Vedic Wynn, one of the most important religious leaders of the Bajorans and a possible candidate to become the next Kai arrives. She despises the scientific way Keiko chooses to explain the phenomenon and calls it blasphemy. Boy. She'll not allow it and takes the Bajoran children of the school. Um, takes the, I believe, out of the school is what we were missing a word there. Um, Both Keiko and Wynn are not willing to give in, and Sisko travels to Bajor to get the support of Vedic Barail. Meanwhile, Chief O'Brien finds an interlocks missing from his toolkit. No, he finds a tool, but, uh, jeez, wow. I don't know who wrote this, but they suck. Together with the new engineer, Neela, from Bajor, they start looking for it. They find it back in a corridor together with the remains of Ensign Aquino. Uh, excuse me, Aquino. It looks like an accident, but O'Brien has his doubts. So, this was an excellent, excellent uh, example of taking your A plot and your B plot and bringing them perfectly together at the end when they seemed like there was no connection to begin with. Um... I forgot how good of a job this episode does the smoke and mirrors uh, aspect with the B plot, making you think that they're not related while trying to tease you with an abundantly boring A plot or so it seems, which of course is not nearly as boring now because wow is talk about a timeless episode that is totally culturally relevant more now more than ever. Um, I, we, we, we don't necessarily avoid politics on this show. We just don't like to be as direct with them because uh, that obviously inspires more intellectual discussion and ideas. And so it's more about the episodes that are presented to us. If, if the show we're watching wants to discuss politics, we'll discuss the show's interpretation and then our response to that interpretation. And this episode is asking for that. Yeah. Yeah, this episode is definitely aged like a fine glass of canar. So, <laughs> yeah, it 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 really. I mean, this is where we get to see why Cisco is the best captain. I mean, this is yeah. one of many examples. Don't get me wrong; all the captains in Star Trek have their moments, except for, uh, well, we'll, well just leave the K Trek captains. Let's not alone. disrespect Cisco because um, he's not a captain; he's a commander; he's a lieutenant. 
Right, oh, of give, course. Give, give him time. Yeah. Give him time. Uh, how, how stupid no, of me to no, forget, no, no, no. Commander Cisco. No, 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 no. In the, no, I, I actually bring that up in this season because you had Captain Kirk, you had Captain Picard, and you have Lieutenant Cisco. No, he's actually Doing... a full-blooded commander at this point. Yes, but he's he did commander. start as a lieutenant. No, he's, he's, yeah. he's a lieutenant in a command post, making him commander of the post, but his rank is still lieutenant. No, so no, his, his no, rank is commander. Three pips is commander. Is... No, they... He keeps getting called Lieutenant Sisko whenever anybody from Starfleet shows no, up. No, that's only in the Emissary. In the Emissary, while he was on <laughs> the first ship, he was a lieutenant. He did he start as a lieutenant. I've heard it in the last like recent episodes. Oh yeah, Commander so is rank. you're Commander talking is about position. no, no. Commander is his rank. You're talking about when he's talking with Dax, and Dax refers to him as as Lieutenant Cisco because he's talking about Dax's past when Curzon knew Cisco as Lieutenant Cisco. The confusion is completely understandable. Don't beat yourself up over it. Um, so Commander is a rank. Yes, I thought Commander... it was a billet. Commander no. is a Starfleet. So it goes Lieutenant, rank. Commander, Captain. It goes it goes uh Ensign, Lieutenant JG, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander, then Commander, then Captain. Then Captain. It's 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 basically okay, the so, same as Navy ranks. So then definitely confused on that whole ranking system, but <laughs> still my point makes sense is he it does. is under. He's a younger Picard. He's a younger Kirk. He's if they were before they were captains and in this episode his understanding of the world which also something i'm just now like really catching on to how well ds9 did it is this is what a parent in charge looks like mm-hmm. like a parent as a manager understands that like their coachings and their their choices matter on a emotional and mental level. And so like how you tell people how to be better matters more than how you tell them to be better. Yeah. So you, your tone, your word choice, all of that matters and parents get that. And where we've seen Picard and Kirk figure it out through an episode, Cisco's like, no, that, that's my philosophy. Like I'm a dad. I have that, to that's, have that. that's the default of being a single parent. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it, it single parent like it, he chooses to be as honorable a father as he can be, and that's what makes him an even better parent. But yeah. not every single parent chooses to be honorable. Yeah. Now I, I will say some other. Uh, there are some other pieces I, I need to get across here. There's something that does need to get said from the larger Trek perspective, and the Gene Roddenberry vision perspective here, because this episode does something that no other Trek episode, series, anything had done up until this point. You have to understand that Gene Roddenberry was an atheist bordering on anti-theist. And he felt that in the future, humankind would have no need for religion because why would we need gods when we can literally create, you know, a coffee from thin air kind of attitude. And in this, the writers, in Deep Space Nine, the writers decided, no, we want to tackle religion, but we want to tackle religion from a perspective of respect. 
right? We don't want to have our captain say something like, I refuse to allow people to slip back into the dark age of superstition, like Picard did, which is why I don't like him as a captain. But instead, Cisco's going, look, it's their beliefs, and their beliefs have gotten them through some really terrible things on their world. But it held them together, and at the very least, we should respect it for that. We may not agree with it, but we should respect that they believe it and show them the appropriate level of deference to say, look, I want to work with you. And if I'm going to work with you, I need to at least show you that I care about the things you care about, even if I don't necessarily believe them myself. And that's a decent place to be, right? That is... Sorry, go for it. For an evolution... Like, I, I've been looking for this because I, I, I've never seen a series to date where new writers come on and maintain the original creator's vision. And in 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 maintaining that respect for the vision, because Gene Roddenberry very clearly wrote rules, which is, you know, the easiest way to make sure that your vision is respected. But for like star trek to prove that the evolution a happened and was always possible because if you look at uh kurt kurtzman's trek they're trying to say that like they're the reason star trek is evolving to the modern time which in reality the only evolution star trek has ever needed is cgi like it's just needed better graphics otherwise and this is proof the show could evolve because Gene Roddenberry was so disrespectful to Theus in TOS and in Next Generation when he literally had his captains meet gods and teach their gods how to be good. And and whether it was Q, whether it was single episodes with a god, but then you have DS9 finally coming in and realizing, no, faith doesn't matter because you need to respect the God. You need to respect the God to show somebody that you respect their faith. It, it has nothing to do with whether or not you believe in the God. It's how do I respect this person's faith? Well, I respect that their God exists. Whether they do or not, you respect that it does to them. And it's not a it's not a pity, it's not empathy, it is being a good person. It's That's being it. a good diplomat. To be honorable is to respect that other people believe in forces that you don't believe in. And that's where the Federation finally has the upper hand in this debate. Because the only people being unhonorable and threatening and dishonorable are the religious they're the ones threatening cancellation and ruining of a woman's career and passion all because they think the science doesn't credit their gods enough and yet we see both sides on both sides of the debate because we have Mm -hmm. keiko o'brien who is taking that kind of anti-theist line but we also have beryl Who's taking the look, 
this is a different philosophy than what we have, but there's no reason why we can't learn it. It doesn't diminish our faith. It forces us to ask the important questions about our faith so that it remains strong. And we get all four sides of this argument in one hour episode. That's fantastic. That's exactly what we need to see. Cause like, I would argue that while, you know, PD and I have both seen, um, you know, I've seen the hardcore anti-theists. He's seen the hardcore religious cells. And then there's guys like you and me who go, you know what? We may not believe the exact same things, but we respect each other's belief and we respect that it's important to that person. So, you know what? We will show the appropriate deference to those beliefs yeah. Because we care. Exactly. And, and who are the two people granted the debate? It's the teacher, the educator, the one responsible for guaranteeing that these children will be able to operate within a space-faring society. And the religious leader who believes that the only reason they ever achieve space-faring society is because of their faith. And in that debate, the real question I think this episode asks is, is your faith in the fact that you don't understand power? Or is your faith in the fact that you understand that there are powers greater than you? And, and the Kai, she represented that we have to make it unknown. Otherwise, it's not good enough. So whereas Keiko was like, no, you obviously are right. There are gods in that wormhole. They're super sentient beings. But everything in between here and that wormhole is 100% explainable according to the science that we've explained so far. Don't know how they're possible. Didn't even know they were possible. Still confused about that. And you are right. They are real. But, like... And I don't like, have Keiko to isn't them. disrespecting them. Well, yeah, exactly. She's like, I, she's not disrespecting any of it. She's just like, as far as my knowledge goes, all of this makes sense except for their existence in a wormhole. Well, and that's just it. This episode, this episode deserves to be. Uh, I mean, honestly, even after this discussion, I think this is up there with duet levels of, of yeah. good because. It hits so much depth, but John, it doesn't just hit that stuff and, and have the conversation. It goes a step further and it exposes the sinister nature that's actually behind why those conversations happen. And the sinister reality is religion and science, the darkness. they have no, they have no common enemy. They have no common, uh, they are, they are not enemies and they are not adversaries that we actually do have a common enemy is what I'm trying to say. I said that backwards. My bad. And the common enemy is the instigators. The common enemy is the exploiters, the opportunists. Because what we end up learning by the end of this episode, while it can't be proven, is that Kai Wen was not there because she was angry and upset about the faith. She was pretending to be the person angry and upset. She was virtue signaling to get people riled up to force an outcome to provide her to an ascension. And that is the reality of religious debate, people. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus or not to me. 
What yeah. matters is one, whether one, or not you'll second, hear wanna... me. Go ahead. It's not religious debate. That's political debate. That is where political comes same. from. When when political meets religious, I would argue politics like is the, a religion fight, now. Well, no, no, politics is the war between the unknown and the known, being science and religion. Religion accepts that there are things we don't know, and therefore we have to be respectful of the potential unknowns. And then science goes, well, we're going to figure those things out. And then politics. Whoa, 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 is whoa, like, whoa. I'm going to use those to my benefit. Well, the best scientists say the exact same thing as the religious, but they say we're just not going to be afraid to test things and try to find other answers. But but most people who claim right. to be men of science, I have often found they're like, I don't have a problem with religious types. I, I just have a problem with specific religious types, you know, the Kai wins the of the world. But but as as a whole and as a generality, well, well, most reasonable on. people. Hold on. Vedic win. Not Kai win. The the Kai is not decided as she never achieved Kai. Well, anyway, we're never going to see her again. Yeah, no. So the only time we see Louise Fletcher, rest in peace. uh, I was really sad to watch her one, one, one episode. But anyway, I I would like to get back to what I was trying to say earlier before John wanted to get in. Um, And that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, I don't care if people choose to believe in Jesus because it's faith is a personal conviction. If you choose that because it's what you want, that's what I want. I want people to choose it because it's what they want for themselves. Because that, otherwise, you're not believing because it's what you want. You're believing either out of obligation or because you want to. And that's and that's why, especially as somebody who identifies as a messianic Christian mystic, well, Christ said to treat others the way you want to be treated. So if I want people to have respect for my beliefs and my faith, I have to show that respect in return. And that's the one, that's probably the big divergence from Christianity that I cannot stand is, is, and, and, and I want to make perfectly clear. I'm not about to just rail on Christianity. This goes for all religious elitism. If you I, think I'm going to jump in because a Rendy made it clear. Hold on. I'm, I wanted to get you. to a Rendy afterwards. No, oh, no, 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 let me finish, no, please. It, 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 I want to finish. It ties into exactly what I you're want saying. to finish. Then we can read Arendes. Um Christ said to treat us the way... Okay, the thing I cannot stand about religious elitists types, and I was one at one point, I'll admit, is this holier than thou, I don't have to respect your faith because mine's the correct one. No, wrong, bullshit. You absolutely, especially if you're a Christian and you claim to follow Jesus, and don't give me this context crap. There's no context. There is none. Jesus said plain and simple, Treat others the way you want to be treated. And so for me, growing as a person, I've had to recognize that while, yes, Corion and I might not share the exact same beliefs, but you know what I love? I love arguing with Corion. <laughs> I love sharing the ideas with Corion. I love learning about Corion's religion. And I love sharing my unique perspective of my faith with Corion. That is worth it to me. Corion doesn't ever accept Jesus. I'm still going to advocate for him. I'm going to advocate for most anybody who respects me in the end. If if my faith turns out to be the correct one in the end. Because that's that's not what it's about. It's not about being right. It's about what is right. And ultimately what is right is science and religion realizing we all share the same planet. Um, John, go ahead with Arende's comment. 
Arendi writes in, the way you're describing what wind did sounds just like the crap that's happening today. Virtue signaling, false outrage, and humility. False humility. Yep. And I didn't know that was where you were going to take it, Parker, so I am sorry for interrupting you because it's okay. the way I thought you were leading that sentence was going to describe exactly what Arendi was see, talking see, about. See, I had a feeling that's what you are tracking. It's like, oh, no, no, just, just let me get my little bit right. in it, and then we can get back to that because, yeah, that, that is – right. And Go ahead. And I was supposed to listen. I'm glad I listened. <laughs> it's okay. I, I, Moving on. I am. And, and, well, this is respecting the discourse. So I'm going to respect that I failed and, and be honest about it. But on that and, and on – Actually, no, no, no. Wait. Go back to beating yourself up some more. I was actually kind of enjoying it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you're right, John. Well, That's exactly and, what we're And here for doing. the record, if anyone ever is really interested in listening to what I can only describe as – the religious debate equivalent of a judo sparring match that sometimes Petey and I get into. Let us know because that could be a fun little uh, recording to do at some point. Oh, we will absolutely. Do make spe- I'm moderate. ready to do a philosophy show or to find a way to integrate the, the rogue council or whatever, but in time, in time. Yeah. I'm enjoying the ride so far, guys. I, I wouldn't don't know about mind you. a rogue council like debate series. That would be kind of fun where we each come in with our debates for a thing and, and it's not for or against it's our opinions of and we mm-hmm. kind of read it like a for and against but it has nothing to do with who we're talking to it just has to do with yep. sharing it in that format Galinda writes in hello be- beautiful people I've been cooking and then cleaning the remnants of my last borscht experiment uh, not a huge fan of borscht myself but congrats I hope it awesome. was great. I hope the experiment was a success. I have I no idea you... what that is. Did. Um, borscht is more or less a beet stew. Hmm. Oh, so poor people You're food. Right. Yum. <laughs> well, I all food is poor people I live, food. I it's live in a trailer. Like rich ever yeah, cook. yeah, I know. I know. Well, that's what's funny is, is, is what was considered poor people food back in the day is now like top notch, impossible to find. And then, you know, it's like every, it, it seems to switch every time, but that's why oh, I stopped caring. We're not at that season yet. Yeah. Beets, um, I love cooking with beets. Yeah. No, we're not there yet. Um, Glenda, you and my dad share recipes. Uh, <laughs> Believing in the power of beets. It's not a false belief, but it's a gross one. <laughs> but yeah. Wait, getting, so our dad has something up. in common with Glenda. Oh boy. That's, there's a. Well, getting getting back to the it episode goes to here. show the world's a lot smaller. Yeah, it is. I, I think that you know uh, Vedic win represents absolutely everything that I think any reasonable religious person has a problem with in any religion, and that's people co-opting it for their own ends. Um, and nobody likes that that crap, right? Um, and that's why. You know, we love Burial so much because Burial is just really relaxed about it and tries to teach like it's almost like you know they're they're going to have you know, you know he can't last if only because he's just too reasonable and nice a person to be able to make it through a series like this. And that's that's the shame of it. Because you know, he comes in and he realizes, I've got I've to fix this situation. And all this is, is wins political scheming. And it turns out, yeah, 
it is Wynn's political uh, scheming because she's trying to eliminate the competition. And that's what this was really all about. We see that, you know, Vedic Wynn is the chess master that we've all didn't want to see. So she's not just space Karen. She's the worst kind of space. Oh no, Karen. she is. That that's the epitome of space yeah. Karen is calculated and and you know that's that's the thing. We we, we bash the, the whole Karen thing because I want to see the manager, but you know, the majority of those types of Karens there are just a low grade Karen. NPCs. We're talking about like, you know, no, yes. no, it's, Karen. It's, it's Karen with a cause. Like well no it, it, that low grade Karen is the most nominal Karen. And so, but that Karen does have Theranos ties. It does have ties with people being bigger than their britches and getting away with it for so long that they can plot an assassination or, you know, a couple suicides. Yeah, it, it, it's... Clinton's a Karen. That didn't come across. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, you know... It's just a shame we're never going to see any more of this Wynn character in Deep Space I, I know, I know. It, it's really a yeah. shame that, you know, DS9 was canceled after one season. But because, I mean, such potential. Imagine right. if they had, you know, like, if they discovered Seven. Odo's Last people season. and then there was a war. I mean, man, how cool would that be? Just um, real Firefly vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that all being oh, said. A look, wanton cause. <laughs> this, this is a start. And I'm going to say this much. This is a start of one of the central themes that radiates through Deep Space Nine. And that is the religious discussion that they finally get to have in Deep Space Nine. Because the writers, the actors, and hopefully the audience is mature enough to handle it. And this is the first step on a road that leads through the series that I think everybody is going to enjoy the ride. Especially when we start getting into... well. How does one really define a god, right? Because you can make the argument that the prophets are objectively divine beings, right? You can legitimately be like, well, let's see. They can They don't have a concept of time because they can just manipulate it any way they want. They literally send artifacts down that'll let you see the future, the past, and all kinds of weird places in between. And they apparently have been looking benevolently down on Bajor, despite the occupation. So, maybe? Right? But then you've got the other groups that will show up down the line, where we get to see their religion in comparison and contrast. And I would argue that the Federation's philosophy of how they behave is, in an, is a, a way of almost secular humanism as a faith. Because they believe so much in the Federation, you could argue it's almost a religion. Oh, there's a South Park episode that answers that that idea, I think, perfectly. And I think the reality is, he, I, I think religion is always going to be a part of human nature in one form or the other. Um, whether you worship a deity that you can't see, that you believe is infinite, or whether you worship science... I mean, South Park really hit the nail on the head with this episode where they have Cartman freeze himself so he can, you know, thaw out in time to get a Nintendo Wii because he doesn't want to wait. And he ends up 900 years in the future where all religion has been abolished and banned because science proved it was all crap. Except that there's two 
factions of science, and they all praise science as a god. So the whole point of the commentary was that even if you got rid of of all the major religions, humanity will just find another one. And that's the point is, and that's not, and that's just it. That's, that's why I always put emphasis on the fact that religion is a tool. It's not good or bad. It's how that tool can be manipulated and used that, that makes them good or bad. You know, Islam, is it a bad religion? No, I think on its base, it's a religion. Do I agree with it? No, but I also don't expect Muslims to agree with me. However, I will say that certain aspects of it, like whatever the hell ISIS believes and Al-Qaeda believes, is probably bad. But that does not mean that the entire religion of Islam is bad. You know, but, I know this. But you would also go so far as to say that the Catholics that justify molesting children, what they believe oh, are terrible, is bad. horrible, evil people. Absolutely. So, so you're not you're not being picky in which religion Absolutely you attack. Not. You attack the evil people regardless and that's that's the other point too is is even then it doesn't come down to the religion being bad it comes down to the individuals who did bad things and that's what needs to be held to account and the reason why they did those bad things is important but i think and and this is back to my point earlier about star trek being capable of evolving is early star trek kind of believed that the majority of human conflict or or person based conflict was based in religious zealousism and ideology and so that's where we got this idea that being religious was a problem in according to star trek but the reality is that religion isn't the source of conflict it's a justification of conflict just like national borders aren't a source of conflict they're just for conflict And that's where we see the evolution of the franchise. Like this is where we see what hand the mantle truly means is when you take everything Gene Roddenberry wrote first, you find his vision and then you find a way to tell him he's wrong with his own vision appropriately. And, And Cisco is that commander that tells gene roddenberry no you forgot the importance of faith because you have faith that no faith is the best faith and that in and of itself is a faith and you need to remember that and that's who cisco is because cisco acknowledges that he doesn't have their faith but he does have faith in his ability to continue on like he believes that they're their explanation of faith is too far, but it also helped. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Glenda writes in the goal. Glenda writes in science. Damn you quoting the, uh, the episode, but Corion, you had a thought, go for it. Yeah. Look, um, I don't usually get into this and I don't usually get this deep on the channel because you know, look, I, I try to keep things light and friendly and happy and whatnot, but here it boils down to this. The one thing that I truly believe about all religions out there is if the person believes it with all their heart and they use it as a force for good in their life, I am 100% behind it. I don't care what they believe. I don't care if it's the flying spaghetti monster. I don't care if it's the Buddha. It doesn't matter. What matters is it's making a positive change in somebody's life 
and they're applying it in a reasonable, loving manner. You know what ticks me off more than anything else in existence is somebody who lies about what they believe in simply to serve some other goal. That drives me up the wall, okay? Look, if it's if you're going to believe in something, believe in it because you honestly, genuinely, truly, in your heart, believe it. If you don't, figure out what you do believe and follow that. But staying with something because it's convenient or because it's easy or because it gets you points towards some politically correct. Yeah, or some political gain somewhere along the line or, or what have you. Or even just permission for criminal behavior. That is not okay. That is not acceptable. Okay? I. It drives me insane when people do that. Because what it does... And it's not morality. Yeah. And, you are not moral when you act because it's convenient. That's just acting out of convenience. Not right. morality. Right. And you know, And you know what that does? It takes people who genuinely believe and genuinely care and are are trying to live a philosophy of, of compassion and understanding that has a, a religious connotation attached to it and it paints them in a bad light just because you're a dick. And I cannot stand that behavior. That's the one thing I, I will say. You know, look, PD, I absolutely, you know, I, I know he believes in what he's saying and he's taken the time to do the research and said, you know what? This particular aspect of how the political machine of my of my faith is run, I do not respect and I do not appreciate. But the message and the belief and the fact that this guy did the things he did and I believe him to be divine and that's where I'm going to stay, that, that is the essence of what I'm trying to talk about. About This is an example of a positive religious individual versus a corrupt a-hole who is using somebody else's religion as a shield. And that drives me up the wall. And people like Vedic Wynn are literally the thing that I wind up fighting against in my day-to-day life all the time. Right? I don't blame the anti-theists for being jerks. They can't help it. What I do, what I do absolutely get up the wall is when people undercut my argument with them because they have to be dicks. And 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 Vedic Kai wasn't not Vedic Kai, Vedic Win. <laughs> Vedic Win. Well, I mean the way she carries herself. Learn the rank structure today. She would probably legally <laughs> change her name to Kai just to make it try and count. Uh, Arendi writes in right before I get to my thought. Arendi writes in my beliefs and worldview essentially made essentially made me a pariah since forever. The kind of person that started reading about quantum mechanics at 12 and stiff stuff, stuff like, like hermeticism, hermeticism yeah. does not make one popular. Well, and Arendi, I would say that none of it makes you popular. Whether you grab the political correct thing and i say politically correct not as a pejorative but politically correct as the way to describe your choices based on society's whims whatever society deems good or moral is politically correct and we know for a fact that political correctness has changed with the ruler whether it was henry the eighth deciding that divorce was okay to the point that he just killed his wife to justify his divorce those 
levels of political correctness are not how we as individuals are supposed to judge our lives. Uh, Parker to, to Corion is a testament of what a good Christian mystic looks like. To me, as Parker's brother, as somebody who watched him grow, Parker is exactly what an individual of faith is supposed to look like because there was a long-standing time in our lives where Parker was very vehement that his faith was right because there were so many people proving it right. Oh, I was I was Vedic when only at one point. recently. Yeah, exactly. And, and and recently on his own journey and his own moral convictions, he chose to double check if that was true. And and, and that's what the importance of individualism is. And that's what Cisco even represents within the Federation because Cisco didn't come at it the way Kyoko came at it cuz Kyoko comes at it and she's like no, that's dumb. Yep. And Cisco's like, no, it's it's wrong, but it's not dumb. They Before got there intelligently, go. but it wasn't the right way to treat this. And Kyoko's like, I hear you. Yeah. And she adapts accordingly, but Cisco's the one that's the individual who has faith in his federation, but also respects the faith outside of his faith because he knows how he got to his faith. And that, that is what it means to be somebody of faith. Arenda, you're, you're somebody who didn't know how to get to faith. So you went on a journey to look for it and the faith you've created is your own. And that's why you feel like it was the thing that didn't make you popular. The only difference is, is that you were willing to admit you didn't know. Well, there are tons of people who spend their whole time just saying, no, I know because I was told. Yeah. And you were like, no, I was told, but I don't believe it. Even that though all... I trust the source. Now that all being said, Arendi, if you've actually studied, then I will say this. Hermenium transmertus sit super te sapitina. So uh, since you've studied hermetics, if that makes sense suspect... to you. Yeah. If, Stop if, speaking if, ancient Latin. It's not cool. <laughs> Actually, first, look, Latin is cool, but, um, you know, uh, but, you know, it's important that, that we do try to show, look, we all, there's, uh, Robert Heinlein is one of my favorite authors, and he had this saying that I think really sums up a lot of this. Um, Public rituals, formalities, deep respects are something that they are the oil that helps the machinery of society work. Okay. Young people don't always see these affectations as important, but what they don't realize is by not using them, they're throwing sand into the machinery that doesn't always work well to begin with. So, it's important to remember that, yes, when the locals are painting their belly button blue, it may not make sense to you. But you know what? It makes sense to them. And if you respect them as a people, if you care about them at all, then you go, look, painting my belly button blue may not be for me, but it's super cool that you do it. And I'd like to learn why you guys do it. So can I do a little bit? Of, you know, can you explain it to me? And I don't know anybody in the world. Um, who wouldn't take that as a respectful, say, uh, respectful saying, right? 
and uh, Arendi writes in. Yeah, you want to take him? Yeah, I was going to say uh, Arendi writes. Uh, Haven't studied in depth. I uh, watched several videos that touched on it. Uh, read the Kabbalan, but never met a teacher. Um, so then I will translate. May the wisdom of Hermes Transmirtus be upon you, my friend. Um, which for Hermetics is is basically like saying, brother. I hope you have an awesome day. So, and to his earlier comment, uh, by popular is I was my whole life more or less with few or no friends. Met a few ex- exceptions, but yeah, it's like it's almost impossible to find someone who vibes along things I like. And Arendi, to that, I would say that you're not talking about what you like enough. Um, that's part of it because because we like you yeah you've been here with us you like us that to me like that that's why i knew this show would work is because if i talked about what i liked and i convinced parker to talk about what he liked he would find corion and we would make a trio that could talk about what we like and don't take the fact that there aren't people in your community that align with you as a sign that no one aligns with you. Yeah. Instead, take that as a challenge to get the fuck out of your community. Yeah. And that all being said, be bigger. uh, It's hard. It's expensive, but your community is not all communities, your love and your passions. That's where you're going to find your community. That's where you're going to find your passion. And that's where you're going to find the people that like it is by you talking about it. That's how I got to where I am. Like I got here with Parker because oh. I told him. Yeah, I'd I actually like to take opinion. that one. Uh, I was actually going to say just real quick to Arende. Look, Arende, look at me. Look at me. You're in my community now. I'm <laughs> taking you in. It's, that's good. Arende writes, this stuff, quantum mechanics, astronomy, when I try to speak to the, this to people, I get weird look and they almost visibly scoot away. So here's the thing about that, Arende. Good. That means that they're saving you the trouble of wasting your time trying to get to know them. The the thing that I would, you know, they say that, oh, if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing, what would it be? Rejection is opportunity. I used to take rejection, whether it was from, you know, uh, girls that didn't find me interesting or whether it was just from people that found me to be whatever they found me to be as though it was bad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Petey, that's what you say to yourself? You wouldn't say to yourself, the Powerball numbers for the draw on the following date are the following? I'll Dude. find that answer when I, you know, when I've, <laughs> when I've figured out how to pick myself up and move on. You know, I, I used to be extremely insecure. I don't want that idiot having that much money to not learn what I learned. That's fair enough. Uh, that's actually a good I response, John. I reason. <laughs> fair. So, fair. no, uh, my, my point is, though, is, is, is that's how I wish I had seen life and not in, in so many ways because it is. Because I, I'm now at the point in my life where if you waste my time, that is one of the quickest ways to get on my bad side. Unless I happen to know who you are and it's a joke or whatever. I mean, I'm open to context in every situation, but ultimately... I don't have a lot of time on this planet. We all don't. I'm not interested in 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 wasting it with somebody who wants to try to get me into their pog collection. That's just not what I'm into. No offense personally, but, but 
if I don't have shared interest or shared goal or shared, you know, anything, I just don't see the point. And so, yeah, it may feel bad I because also... you, you, the... real quick, please, real quick, like 30 seconds, go. Go for it, Pete. Go for it, John. Oh, me? Okay, so real quick, just jump in. The thing about rejection is it just tells you that you're not selling your enjoyment properly. I mean, part of like, it. If people don't like what you're talking about, that's one thing. But if you're selling it the wrong way, you can learn to sell it better. There you is can that learn too. to talk about it differently. Like, like for me, what I always like, that's why the show to me exists is I learned to associate all of my wild theories with fun movies, fun shows. And because of that, people were able to understand me better and understand that I wasn't just talking to a random stranger on a bench. I was just talking about a thing that a show that I like mattered. And then people are like, well, I like shows. Yeah. I want to talk about my favorite shows. Yeah. And that's, and that's all good. And that's, and Arende says, uh, it's true, saves you a lot of trouble, but it's also a lifetime of loneliness. And I like being alone a lot more than the average person, but there are limits to what even I can tolerate. See, I don't even think that's true either. I think that's a, I think that's society trying to project its bullshit and trying to force conformity by getting you to go, no, you need to be, you need to enjoy sports, consume product and shut up. And that's basically the, the, the mantra for how society wants to try and function. And so it's, it's, it's not true. And I can say it's not true because look at all the independent communities that are coming up that have all different variety of topics of conversation. And, and this is the other thing, guys. Arende, Galinda. Look how many loners are banding together with the loners that start podcasts. Yeah. You guys are here in the beginning. And and however far this, this show goes, we're going to try it to do – we're going to do everything we can to make sure you guys are just as much in it in whatever capacity. You keep interacting with us on the Discord. You keep showing up every week. You know, this will go, this will go beyond this show at some point. And that's our goal. And now I can't promise when, but all right, hold on. Let Corian get a couple seconds in and then we got to get ready to close the audience members. One. Okay. Cause I'm ready to close it. This will be my final. All right, go. The challenge. If you join our discord or you are a part of our discord and you want to be a part of the show, just tell us and tell us why you think it matters. And if you think we have high standards, we don't. It, more than anything, like your expression of desire is really awesome and really, really substantial. So Arende, like part of what you're saying is triggering me to be concerned about your emotional and mental safety. And so I'm saying this to you, if you need a group of friends every Tuesday night to talk to about the shows that we decide you're welcome to join us you're welcome to be on the stream we want to hear your voice i want to know who you are i want to get to know you and and that goes to all of you that may or may not join us tomorrow or in the future i care about you being here not yep. just for the view on my show but all right for corion real life. quick we've had a lot of great it. discussion but we do got to keep to our formula here yep so real quick arendi look all I can tell you is you have a friend here. You have you have more than one friend here. We care about you. We want to see you be the best version of you you can possibly be. And if we can help do that, we're here for you. Same with you, Galinda, as well. 
not to leave you out because you're yeah, awesome too. Yeah, no, I mean that's that that's note, kind of the community we do want to build. In, but... and, and and just for continuity's sake, Arende writes in, "Oh, don't worry about my mental health. I have people I can speak with, just not as much as I'd like." And that's what I'm shouting out, Arende. We want to be the friends that discuss these quantum mechanics with you. We invited you to the Discord, and and we want you to feel welcome in our community. Yep. All right. Absolutely. Let's so, close it up, guys. So yeah, uh, thanks for watching, um, everybody. Galenda, Arende, um, glad to see you guys here tonight. We'll shout out, of course, to Cozy Koala and uh, who visited us, and then Nemesis of Eden, wherever you're at. Um, and, and then I think uh, I, I think that's covers all of our regulars. Of course, you, you guys are, are here with Orville. us from the, from the beginning. Oh yeah, Orville Nation, and of course, another shout out if you guys thoughts prayers, please send it to. Uh, Maria with Team Telling. I'm Peter York of the Ryder Brothers. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of the Ryder Brothers Tuesday Night Live Show. The Ryder Brothers, restoring respect into discourse.